loving it. Y'all are, man, y'all sound good this morning. Um, man, I guess I did all right last time. They were like, you're on again. Ah, I am, ain't I? Okay. Well, this will be fun. Uh, well, if this is your first time here, welcome to church. Be sure to come back next month and hear our senior pastor, for real. Uh, he's, he's really good. He, and uh, So t- today's going to be good, though. I feel like I got a word from the Lord, and I really wrestled a lot with it because, um, you know, I'm the worship pastor. Where's my guitar? You know, like, I need... I, I, let me just sing it to you. And so, but today, today's going to be really good. Shout out to everybody watching online. We love you. Um, come on, let's jump right into the word today. So we've been on a year-long journey of this idea of being planted. H- has anybody enjoyed this year so far? Come on, we've been planted this year. And our three uh, theme scripture for this year has been Psalms 1 one through three, and it says this. It says, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed. I want to be blessed. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the ways that sinners take or sit in companies of mockers, uh, but whose delight is in the Lord. Come on, that's us today. Our, des- our delight is in the Lord today and who meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree. What? Planted. We're going to be planted. That person's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Today, the title of this message is Planted to be Fruitful. Planted to be fruitful. Now, what does that mean? Planted to be fruitful. Well, you know, whenever you plant a, an apple, you know, you get an apple tree. You plant that apple tree, guess what? You're going to want to see some fruit out of that apple tree, right? You're going to want some apples. You want some apple pie, right? Anybody like apple pie in the room today? Okay, come on, come on. I like some apple pie. I don't plant that tree just to, I mean, some people might plant the tree just to watch it, you know, have the shade. That's nice and all. But whenever I plant an apple seed, I want some apples, okay? I want some fruit in it. So in our lives, if we're supposed to be the a tree planted by streams of water, and we're supposed to be producing fruit, what fruit are we supposed to be producing? Has anybody in the room ever thought that? Okay, so I have thought that. So before, I have thought that, yes. What, what kind of tree am I? I? I don't think I'm an apple tree. I don't think I'm an orange tree. What, what kind of fruit am I supposed to be producing? Banana. Banana, okay, a banana tree, right on. So, before we get too, too far into this, let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and fill this room with your presence, Lord. I thank you, Father, that the words that I have to say today aren't just good ideas. It's not just um, a good thought. But, Lord, I thank you that, that these words are Holy Spirit-inspired, that these words penetrate the heart this morning, that these words are just not my own, but they're yours this morning. Lord, give me the confidence and the boldness to, to say what you want me to say, how you want me to say it, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said? Amen. 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 Let's turn to Galatians 5.22, and it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces. Okay, stop right there. Who produces? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces. Okay. This kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these. Now, the Holy Spirit should be producing fruit in our lives, okay? And so I know for me, I don't know if uh, there's any uh, kids church, OG kids church kids in the room today, but I was an OG kids church kid, okay? So let me take you back to, um, well, first, let me say this. I was, I was telling uh, my wife this whenever we were going through, I was the church rat. Like, any chance that the doors were open, like, I'm coming to the church. I'm going to be around. There's actually this joke. So I grew up on the Louisiana-Texas state line, and there was a river between Louisiana and Texas, right? And I lived on the Louisiana side. And so our, and we went to church on the Texas side, okay? So there's kind of like a divide right there. It's kind of awkward because, you know, Louisiana is a little different than Texas, Anybody met anybody from Texas? They're a little Texas proud, you know what I'm saying? And nah, I ain't got time for all that. You know, don't mess with Texas. Yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just another state, doggone it. And sorry to everybody from Texas in the room. Sorry about that. I just had to get that out there. And so anytime, like, our spring breaks never lined up. Like, the Louisiana spring break and the Texas spring breaks, they were just always, like, different months, like not even close to each other. And I don't know how that works. But anyways, and so I would, I would be off for spring break. Well, you better know every day I'm at the church. Every day. I didn't have nothing better to do. We grew up on this, on land in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have no friends. I'm trying to go to the church, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, but whenever I read uh, Galatians 5, talking about the fruits of the spirit, it took me back to kids church, y'all. 2007, that's when I was stomping around in kids' church. Some of y'all are like, 2007? You know what I was doing in 2007? Yeah, you're probably working, whatever, whatever. Anyways, and so, uh, to, so for me, 2007, this is the song we were singing, all right? It goes like this. <clears throat> and I thought about having the band learn this, but I was just like, I'll just, do, I'll just go acapella, okay? It goes, the fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon, the fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. If you want to be a watermelon, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy. Anybody remember that song? No, y'all leaving me hanging up here. Okay, they remember. That's what I'm talking about. And so the, the song, it goes through like four or five different fruits, right? This fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Like, yeah, duh, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. You know, and, and so whenever I hear that, Whenever I hear Galatians 5, I immediately, I have to sing that song. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so I I have to be careful uh, whenever I'm reading these scriptures not to just let it be nostalgic for me. You know, not to just go, oh, I know the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like, that's cute and all. But whenever I was uh, getting ready for this weekend and kind of studying the notes and had that thought of, well, what kind of tree am I? You know, I had that thought, and I read that scripture, and I I started to evaluate my life, and I was like, I got hung up on one of them. And, you know, how the Holy Spirit deals with me is like, I just can't stop thinking about something. And so as I'm getting ready, I just can't stop thinking about joy. I can't stop thinking about joy. What is it about joy? And so the, the more and more that I, well, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Man, I'm nervous, guys. 
I mean, don't leave me hanging up here, y'all. That, I, I thought for sure that the second time would be easier than the first time, but this is, this is tricky. Uh, and so we can't just roll over scriptures that are familiar to us and, and not apply them to our lives. Because the Word of God is not meant to be some poetry novel. It's not meant to be um, an action novel. It's not meant to be a mediocre uh, romance novel. You know what I mean? Like, it is meant to, for us to apply it to our lives. And, and on that thought, church is not meant to be some cor- sort of uh, social hangout. It's not meant to be some uh, religious duty we just check off the list. Oh, I'm a Christian. I better go to church. No, the idea for church is to, to apply, apply the practical um, steps to our lives so we can be a better spouse, so we can be a better husband, so we can be a better uh, parent, you know, because for, for me, I'm not good at those things naturally. Is anybody with me in the room? I'm not, I'm not a very good uh, fill-in-the-blank naturally. I need, I need church so I can apply these things to my life. It's not just meant for me to just come hang out and Make sure everybody saw me. I'm here. This is great. I love it here. It's, it's meant for us to make it practical and to apply it to our lives. Y'all with me this morning? And so like I said, as I was reading through the fruits of the Spirit, I got hung up on joy. And the more and more that I evaluated myself, the more and more I realized I might not be as joyful as I was. And that's kind of, that was kind of a scary like realization of like, well, you, you know, you're on staff at a church. You're on staff at a church. The, the church pays you. You better have the nine fruits down, okay? You better have it down or, you know, you're getting fired. Like, go ahead and put your two weeks in, you're gone. You ain't got joy. And so, but fortunately, fortunately, this church is very gracious, okay? And so I, I had this this heavy revy of like, man, I might not be joyful. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, because I have a feeling that I'm not the only one in the room that is feeling this way. And so let's talk about joy today. And so, so right now, before we get started, everybody do me a favor, just smile at me. Can everybody in the room just smile? Okay, okay. I think I'm in the right place, because some of y'all ain't smiling at me. Some of y'all, some of y'all like, man, this is too hard. I I ain't smiling at this guy. I'm going to fight this guy, you know? And so I, I think I'm in the right place today. Joy. And so let's go back to, to Psalms 1, verse 3, and listen to it again. It says this, the person that is, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit. And if we're planted, we're going to be fruitful, right? Amen. And in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whose leaf does not wither. That caught me this time. Whose leaf does not wither. I think my leaves are withered a little bit. I think I'm feeling a little... My, my wife has uh, some peace plants. And I don't know if... I know Gmall's a green thumb. But peace plants, they are the most dramatic plants. They are the most dramatic plants. You go a couple days without watering. I don't know how, how long my wife goes. She probably goes a month without watering them. And you walk in there. They're in like another room in the house. And you walk in there. And it's, they're just, they're withered. And I'm like, man, y'all don't look happy. Don't worry. Dad's here to take care of you. 
And so I got to water those dudes. You know what I'm saying? My wife ain't going to do it, so I better water them. And so, but the word says this. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, whose leaf do not wither. Our leaves aren't supposed to wither. We need to be, when we're planted by streams of water, our source is from the stream. And we're not supposed to wither. And so I... I, I drive a 2006 Ford F-150. Wow, yes, right on. Some Ford people in the house. That's great. Um, I honestly, it don't make a difference to me. I, I'll drive anything. Uh, but I have this old pickup that I drive, and it has 240,000 miles on it. And so you tell some people that, they're like, man, you're getting a lot of miles on that thing, you know, and yeah. And then you tell some people, and they're like, that's it? Oh, man, you got another... 300,000 to go, you know, and so it just kind of depends on who you talk to, but uh, it has 240,000 miles to it, and I love this pickup truck, like, it's stick, it's a single cab, I mean, it's just a fun truck, but what I've noticed here recently, within the last three months probably, is whenever I pull out of my driveway, I kind of notice there's a spot, there's kind of a spot in the driveway, and uh, well, that's kind of weird, whatever. Drive to the store, leave the store, back out of the parking lot, and like, huh, there's a spot there. And so what, what has happened is, is my, my pickup's got a leak somewhere, okay? And I'm not going to sit up here and act like I know exactly what it is. It's a rear main seal. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's leaking somewhere, okay? And uh, if you're not careful... It'll leak long enough, and you'll be out of fluid. You'll be out of, in this case, it's oil, some sort of transmission. It don't matter. It's oil. There's fluid on the ground, okay? (laughs) And so at some point, you're going to run out of fluid. And so that might be some of us in here today. We're we're just kind of got a slow leak. And if you're not careful, you'll be out of fluid before long. And again, I'm not no mechanic, but... Uh, your car is not going to run long without oil. You're not going to make it very far without oil. That's the same way for us with joy. You're not going to run long without joy. And so today I'm here to give a little joy this morning, okay? And so, uh, uh, yeah, so let's check our joy level. Jesus wants us to have joy. That's, that's kind of the preface for the whole message Jesus wants us to have joy. It says this in John 15, 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And so kind of the context of this, John 15, uh, we'll read a little bit more John 15 here in a second. But he's talking to his disciples and he's like, you'll be filled with my joy. But he doesn't stop there. He tells us how much joy we're supposed to have. Can we put it back up there? It says, Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus wants our joy to overflow. He doesn't want it just to be just enough to get by. Uh, on my pickup truck, I have to, I check the oil every day. Because again, if I go too long without checking, that thing's going to be dry. And so I check it every day. And I had a guy tell me one time, oh, don't worry about that leak. That's how you know there's oil in it. Whenever it, whenever it stops leaking, that's when you need to be concerned. And I'm like, yeah, that's valid. That, that is... That is true. But Jesus, Jesus says this, I want your joy to overflow. 
I want your joy to overflow this morning. I love that. Just enough is not enough. For me, I check the oil for the day. That's enough for the day. We're good. No, Jesus wants it to overflow. That's so good. And so I did a little research on the word joy. And Webster's definition of joy is this. Joy is a great feeling of pleasure and happiness. Yeah. Well, that's not bad. That's a pretty good definition. A pleasure, a, a feeling of great pleasure. So it tells us that joy is three things. It's a feeling, well, that's, that's true, of pleasure and happiness. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. It's a little kind of like one-dimensional, like a feeling of pleasure uh, and happiness. But as I thought about some stories in the Bible, the people that had joy, it wasn't really a prime opportunity for them to be uh, feeling pleasure and happiness. Okay, and so, so something's not lining up to me, okay? And there's, this, there's a misconception that when life gets hard, you can't be joyful. It's a misconception. The world says that when life is hard, you can't be joyful. So let's compare that to Scripture this morning. Y'all ready? Um, in Acts 16, now remember the definition, a, great, a, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Acts 16, we see here is uh, Paul and Silas. And Paul is on his uh, second missionary trip. Uh, the homie is going all over the place. Like Asia, Europe, all over the place. Well, um, Paul has a vision and him and Silas end up in Macedonia. Okay. And again, don't let me try and fool you guys today. It took me, I, I looked at a map for 30 minutes. <laughs> Has anybody ever looked at an ancient Bible day map? Like, I'm like, where on earth are we at? So anyways, it's like Asia, Europe, they end up in Macedonia. That's what you need to know. Okay. They end up in Macedonia. And uh, so there's this, there was this girl who is demon possessed and could tell the future. So she's a fortune teller. She had a demon. She's a fortune teller. It's kind of weird. Uh, she was a slave girl. And um, she was following Paul and Silas, and she kept saying this, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Okay, so they're following Paul and Silas, she's following Paul and Silas around, and is like, these people are going to tell you what to do, you know, whatever, whatever, just acting a fool, basically, okay? And finally, Paul got tired of it, and um, she turned, he turned around to the fortune teller, and uh, said to the demon within her, I command you to come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. And instantly it left her. That's pretty cool. I like that. You know, all right, that's enough. Um, demon, get out of her. And all right, she's normal, right? Um, but the, the slave girl's masters um, were not very excited, okay? Because, well, now she can't tell the future. She's just, she's normal now. And, and so uh, we pick up in verse 22, it says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Yikes. I don't know. I haven't been beaten with a wooden rod in a while lately. And so um, they were uh, severely beaten, the Bible says, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them 
in the inner dungeon. Doesn't that sound so intense? The inner dungeon. You know, like, whoa, inner dungeon. Okay. Um, and clamp their feet in stocks. So from my perspective, this is not looking very good for Paul and Silas, right? This is just not looking good. And uh, as far as like being beaten with a wooden rod, um, I worked out like a week ago probably, and I'm still sore, okay? And so I, I'm having a hard time imagining how sore they were after being beaten with a wooden rod, okay? They've been stripped, first of all. I just, I don't like to be naked in public anyways, you know? <laughs> stripped and beaten with the wooden rod, okay? So they're sore. I can kind of see that, but I don't know if I've ever been that sore. Now, I have some friends that have been, to, been thrown in prison, okay? And they're like, that, that wasn't a delightful experience. But I don't know anybody that's been thrown into the inner dungeon. You know, like, I just, that just is, uh, it, it's not looking very promising for Paul and Silas, okay? And so this is their response in verse 25. Hang on, let me back up. This is not a, a good time of a great feeling of pleasure and happiness. It's not a good time for pleasure and happiness. This is their response, verse 25. Around midnight, I love this. This gets me excited every time. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And so you, you see the scene here. It's, they're in the inner dungeon. It's dark. It probably smells, you know, because it's the Bible days. I mean, it's just, you could, it probably smells. It's dark. Um, they're probably hungry. They're sore because they just got beaten with a wooden rod. And they, they start praying and singing hymns to God. Now, it, if I'm going to be honest, I, I think you found out that I'm kind of an honest communicator here, right? I, I'm, I'm just going to air it all out. I don't know after being beaten and thrown into prison that I'm going to be very joyful. I don't, that's not a good, that's not a moment for me to be joyful. And so, but joy they didn't let their circumstance define, dictate their happiness. And so regardless of being beaten, regardless of being thrown into the inner dungeon where it probably stinks, it's dark, and they're hungry, I just, I, I, I can't, according to the world's definition of joy, that doesn't match up. I'm, I'm, my knee-jerk reaction to that is not going to be singing him and praising God. You know, I'm going to be kind of like, I'm going to be upset at somebody. And so it's supernatural. Joy is supernatural. Let, let me tell you another story. There's a, a man in the Bible named Job, okay? And Job had it rough, okay? <laughs> My boy had it rough. I, I read Job once, and it's literally a lot. It's a very long book, and he's complaining the whole time, rightfully so. Rightfully so, rightfully so. But this is what happens in uh, chapter one. Job loses his wealth, um, his house, his children, his servants, his health, his land. He loses it all. Again, not a very primed opportunity to feel great pleasure and happiness. You tracking with me this morning? It's not a good, I wouldn't be very happy in this moment. But this is what Job says in verse 20. It says, Job stood up tore his robe in grief, and then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, 
and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Wow. After losing his house, his servant, his kids, after losing losing it all, he didn't blame God. He found joy in that moment. Um, let's turn now to Hebrews 12. Now, this one, this one kind of messed me up a little bit when I read it, because I'll show you why. Hebrews 12.2 says this, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy, wow, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor in God's throne. The thing that kept Jesus on the cross was joy. Isn't that interesting? I, okay, you're going to get tired of hearing this. Again, not a very prime opportunity to be joyful. But he says, it says, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he endured the cross. That's powerful. And so something, something is telling me that we have the wrong definition of joy this morning. So let's redefine joy this morning. I have this very wordy definition with a lot of P's, but I love it. It says this, joy, supernatural delight in the person, purpose, plan, placement, provision, and people of God. That's pretty good. I like that definition. Supernatural. There's that supernatural word. Delight in the person, purpose, plan, placement, provision, and people of God. And so there's a bunch of P's in there because I want you to remember it. Just remember the, how many P's is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six P's. Just remember the six P's of joy. All right? Supernatural delight. And so this is my first point. It says this, joy is not a feeling. It's a heart posture. That's powerful. It's a heart posture. Um, joy is um, so it's a heart posture what do we have our heart fixed on and so uh, if you're uh, trying to think of how to say this if your joy is depending on what the news is saying you're going to be worried sick about the gas prices you're going to be worried sick about the what's going on overseas you're going to be just worried sick there's no joy in that if you spend your time on social media like, man, I wish I had that house that they just got, or, oh, this is a big one for me already. I wish I could travel like they travel. Like, how on earth are they on another continent? You know, they were just on one last week, you know, and, and if you spend your time comparing yourself, you're going to, there's no joy in that. If you spend your time, um, if your eyes are fixed on your career, you're going to be worried sick when the rumors of a layoff come around because they, they do come. You know, like, oh, it's getting pretty bad. They say they're going to have to lay off 100 employees this week. You know, you're going to be worried sick if that's where your joy is found in. Some of y'all, if it's raining outside, uh, it's going to be a bad day. You know what I mean? But we have to set our eyes on Jesus. The only way that anybody could hang on a cross, the only way that anybody could lose everything, the only way that you could be beaten and thrown into jail and sing praises to the Lord and still have joy is having your heart fixed 
on the one that never changes. And, and the one who was, who is, and is to come, that's Jesus. Whenever we fix our eyes on Jesus, that's where joy is found. And so it, it's, worth, it's, it's worth me noticing this, is that Job's response, Paul and Silas's response, was worship. They worshiped. I don't know if it could get any worse for them, but they worshiped. That's so good. I love that. How ma- I wonder if there's anybody in the room today that, regardless of their circumstances, they don't really know where, where to find joy. I wonder, if, I wonder what a little worship would do for you today. Because there's a peace in his presence that surpasses all understanding. But Sam, you don't know how bad the government is. No, I actually, I probably don't. But there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. My hope is not in the government. My hope is not in um, the authority. It's in Jesus. And so whenever we have our heart posture towards Jesus, does it really matter what's going on? No, it, it doesn't matter at all. So let's keep going. So, okay, all right. Some of y'all might be like, I see what you're saying, but I need a little more practical than this. So I'm a little um, remedial, okay? And you might know what that means. You might not know what that means. I like things to be real simple. Is there anybody else in the room? I cannot be the only one. Okay, I'm a little remedial. I want the cookies where I can get them, all right? And this is, this is something real practical for you. Whenever life gets hard, this is what you need to remember. Let me make sure I say it right. Okay, I got it. God's got it, and I trust him. Can, it, can everybody say that with me today? God's got it, and I trust him. For the gas prices that are going out of the roof, God's got it, and I trust him. For the bills that I'm not sure how we're going to pay, God's got it, and I trust him. For... Um, Finding a new career because I just got laid off. God's got it. I trust him. Um, for any circumstance in your life, some of y'all need to tattoo that on your arm, tattoo it on your chest. God's got it. I trust him. So whenever time, when hard times come, God's got it and I trust him. I want you to remember that today. Say it one more time. God's got it and I trust him. I love it. Point number two is this. Joy is only Jesus generated. Where are you finding joy? Are you finding joy in the amount of money you make? Are you finding joy in a relationship, in a career? Are you finding joy in your degree? You know, some of y'all got more degrees than a thermometer. You know, like, you got a PhD, a DDD, a MBA, you know, like, you got all that stuff. And that's not where joy's found. You know, at the end of the day, you could, um, you can look externally to find joy, but joy is only found internally. It's only found internally because it's supernatural. John 15, we're back to John 15. Verse 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, I in them will produce much fruit. So apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot remove yourself from the source and still be fruitful. Joy is Jesus-generated. And verse 6 says this, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. There's a wither word again. That's profound. Wither. 
Um, so remain in Jesus. Let's make this practical. Again, remedial, bottom shelf. Here we go. Remain in Jesus looks like this. Reading your Bible. Yeah. Sam, every time you preach, you talk about reading your Bible because it's important. I will say it every time I get a chance because how, how can we be fruitful without remaining in Jesus? And Jesus has already spoken. His word is written plain for us to read it. And it, you can't, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. I'm going to keep going. We have a, we have a joke. We have a joke going around uh, in the family. And it's talking about who the hangriest reigns is. Okay. Has anybody ever been hangry before? Is, there, is your spouse a hangry one? Okay. My poor wife. I, okay. So I think there's a tie. There's, an, there's not an official winner of who the hangriest reigns is. But I think it might be a tie between me and Bailey. Um, we might be the hangriest. It's, it, okay, so it might be me, the babies, and then Bailey. That, that is the order of the hangriest people. Listen, y'all, when I get hungry, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. I'm ready to throw, I'm ready to throw some blows. Like, give me a second. My poor wife will be in the car, you know, all the way to get something. I'm like, baby, I see what you're saying. But you're going to have to let me get some food first. You better wait for this McDouble to hit the, you know, hit the stomach right here, and we can talk then, all right? Don't be trying to call me out while I'm hungry, okay? I just don't got time for it. If it's hard enough for us to be um, joyful when we're hungry, how, isn't that us spiritually too, though? And so... Um, as I'm thinking of this analogy about being hangry, I thought about this old commercial. Why don't we go ahead and play that commercial really fast? Oh, that's awkward. Oh, there we go. Can we turn the AC up? I'm dying back here. It's on. Can't you feel it? Can you feel that? Oh. <laughs> Jeff, eat a Snickers, please. Why? Every time you get hungry, you turn into a diva. Just eat it so Ooh, we can all coexist. Turn into a diva. Mm -hmm. Put it in your system, cranky pants. Okay. Thank you. Better? Better. Will you get your knees out of the back of my seat? <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Yep. Can we turn the AC up? <laughs> Y'all remember that one? That's kind of an old one, ain't it? <laughs> Uh, but, but, but the tagline was this, you're not you when you're hungry. And so that's the same for us spiritually today. Um, the, the guy in the back seat said, every time you get hungry, you turn into a diva. And so my question for you, whenever you get hungry spiritually, who do you become? Do you become a, a liar? Do you become judgmental? Um, I heard this one for the first time the other day. Do you become a lust bucket? Lust bucket. I was like, that's, that's a new one. I, I can see where that's saying. Uh, you know, who do you become when you're hungry? Because he turned into a diva. I probably turn into a diva when I'm hungry. But spiritually, when we're hungry, so, <laughs> let me just keep going. Um, and so the tagline of the commercial said, you're not you when you're hungry. And some of us think that that's just how I am. I'm just prideful, okay? That's just how I am. Leave me alone. Quit trying to make me fix it. But 
some of, some of us are so malnourished that we think that this is normal. This is just how we are. Uh, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says this, and this kind of rocked my world whenever I read it. When I discovered your word, I devour them. I love that. I devour them. You know what, I, you know what it means to devour? So our, our pastor is a fantastic cook. I, I don't know if that's kind of a hidden secret that not really many people know. But let me just tell you, homie can cook, y'all. He can cook. And so sometimes whenever we go to his house to eat, I'm the first one in line. And then I'm back in seconds before everybody else gets through the line. I can devour some food, okay? And so I'll be eating it, you know, it's still hot, trying to blow on it. (laughs) You know, trying to eat it while it's still hot. You know what I'm talking about. I cannot be the only one in here who does that, okay? (laughs) You know, you kind of suck in and blow out. You know what I'm talking about? It's like that. I'm telling you, I don't mess around. And uh, I am that person. And so we... Just like when we get hungry, natural, spiritually we get hungry too. And we need to devour the word. And uh, the, the second part of that scripture said this, they are my joy and my heart's delight. Isn't that cool how that works together? We're talking about joy today. When I discover your words, I devour them. They are my joy and my delight. Where does my joy come from? The word the word. It's that simple this morning. Point three, this is my last point. And it's kind of wordy. It says this, your joy will overflow when you change the concentration. And so I had this super cute analogy for you guys this morning, but I got the wrong food coloring. So this is awkward. So I'm just going to tell you what it was going to be. Is that all right? Okay, cool. Um, So I was going to have this little glass and it was going to represent our life. Do y'all see the glass? Everybody see the glass? Okay. It's got a little water in it. All right. And then I was going to take the food coloring. Here's the food coloring. And I was going to drip it in there. Okay. And it was going to turn everything in the water blue. You know, because sometimes you get blue in life. You know, there's some, um, some disappointments, some frustrations that happen in life that are involuntary. Like, they just happen. And then I was going to have this big old pitcher, you know, like a water pitcher. And I was going to pour it in the blue water, and it was all going to be like regular water again. Can everybody see that illustration this morning? Jesus wants our joy to overflow. So if we're concentrated on the failures and the disappointments and the dissatisfaction of life, we're, we're not going to have joy. But Jesus said that he wants his joy to overflow. So this morning, we're going to change our concentration. And so closing with this thought, my three points were this. Joy is a heart posture. Joy is Jesus-generated. And whenever we change, we have to change our concentration. All of these things involve, first of all, it involves us. And it, and it involves us changing our perspective. It's all about our perspective. Things in life are going to happen. Things in life are going to get crazy. But whenever we fix our focus on Jesus, that's the whole theme of, of joy today. We know that it's supernatural, and we know it's found in Jesus. Can you all see that this morning? Amen. Well, let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you for today. And Father, I hope that I communicated this well. And Father, I'm just believing that today that the peace that surpasses all understanding fills this place. Lord, we thank you for the joy that you give. We thank you for the joy that overflows in this place this morning. And Father, I just pray for every person in the, in the, everybody watching online, every member in the room today, Father, I pray that your joy overflow in their life today. Lord, no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter how, how bad life is being, Lord, I thank you that we can find joy in you. We can find rest in knowing that your joy is our strength. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Thank you, Lord.